0: Hey there, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, welcome back to another edition of NHL Trade Talk, the podcast. My name is Jim Parsons, here with the HockeyWriters.com, NHLTradeTalk.com, uh, TradeTalkSports.com. Wherever you get your hockey content, I'm usually putting stuff out on there as well. Brooke Laferno is with me. Brooke, how you doing?
1: Doing good. Uh, we were really busy this past week, and then the trade deadline happened, and... It was what it was, but we're excited to cover all of it.
0: (laughs) I know. Isn't it funny? We were doing shows like way more often than we normally do them Mm -hmm. because we're like, man, every day something big happened. So we didn't do one on the day before the deadline because we're like, well, let's take one day off and then maybe we'll have a really busy day on the Friday. We kind of figured maybe it wouldn't be crazy. I was shocked at how like lots of trades, but like nothing big, Mm -hmm. like really it was kind of a dud like they're Mm -hmm. and they're really talking about how i'm wondering if this is going to be a trend do you think this is a trend now or do you think we see a lot of the action prior to the day of and then the day of is somewhat of a letdown and all the action happens before or do you think this was just a one-off or like this is the one year that it's kind of like for whatever reason people got things done early
1: i did see that some were questioning maybe if moves were happening earlier because competitive teams wanted to give players a like a longer chance to kind of acclimate to their new teams and that would help them in the playoffs if they had a few extra days um but i am a little worried that this will become a trend a little bit like as it was kind of fun i guess when bo horvat moved that early it was kind of like okay that gives us a little tease i didn't really think there was going to be i think we've maybe assumed there would be a little bit of a domino effect but i still thought most of the moves would be made on trade deadline day so but now i am a little worried that a lot of teams were like, okay, actually, this works for all of us. A lot of things are moving a lot faster than people originally thought it would. So, yeah, I kind of do see this as a bad omen. I actually would prefer all of the hype on Trade Deadline Day because when you wake up on Trade Deadline Day, you're like, okay, it's going down. (laughs) So I kind of would like it to stay that way, but who knows?
0: Uh, Well, the two things that make me wonder that maybe this is a one-off, one, most of the action that we saw heading into Trade Deadline Day happened in the Eastern Conference. Like, everything happened between, like, three or four or five teams like, you know, the Islanders got it started and then it was like Boston and Tampa and the Rangers got involved, like all those Eastern conference teams that everybody figures is going to be kind of in that race, Toronto, eliminating each other early. They're all the teams that did everything uh, prior to the week of, and then the Western conference sort of waited until the very last 24 to 48 hours. And then what we heard of on the Friday, which was deadline day was that a lot of things were in the works but didn't go down, which is kind of because of the cap situation or third teams needing to be involved. So I wonder if because of that Eastern Conference race and because teams needed third-party brokers to make money work and those deals take a while, that maybe that's why we saw some of the action so early. Uh, like mm-hmm. when you look at a guy like Kyle Dubas out of Toronto and all the dancing he did with salary and salary out and LTIR and all that stuff – and then Boston made more moves because Taylor Hall went down and Nick Felino was out. And then all of a sudden they're like, okay, we're gonna get active. And then other teams try to keep up with the things that had happened. I I do wonder if it's it's a one-off. I kind of hope that we have a mix of the two, right? Like that there is some action leading into the day of, but that the day of is still really busy. I just think a lot of things happened on the Friday or were supposed to happen and they just didn't come, like Joel Edmondson, James Unrooms, like those players that we thought were gonna move and didn't. Uh, that there was stuff happening there and it just didn't happen. Um, so I wonder, I am kind of curious to see uh, whether or not this is a trend that continues. Did you like the deadline coverage because of the fact that it was so slow? Like watching these shows, just try to entertain everybody and recap what had happened or what could happen and then not happen. Like, is it take away the tradition for you?
1: Um. No, like I thought it was fine. But I did think it's funny, like you're trying to hype up all these trades that aren't that exciting, but because they're the ones happening, you're like, oh my gosh, John Klingberg got moved. Oh my gosh, this is, this is a big thing. Like this is mm-hmm. happening right now. And then obviously with James Van Riems, they thought there was something there with Detroit. And then that was kind of exciting, right? Everyone's like, okay, we got a big, a big trade chip here off the board. And then it was like, wait a minute. Nope, that fell through. So it was kind of funny to see kind of um, a different perspective of how I guess you can make hockey still exciting with kind of lesser trade chips than you thought. So I thought it was fine for what it was. I think we were all going through it. Like it was, it was what it was because of the fact that everyone unfortunately moved. So, but yeah. I I didn't mind it.
0: Well, we'll talk about our winners and losers, our favorite trades, our least favorite trades here in a second. But I do want to get your opinion on things that didn't happen. Like, what did you make of the kind of comments from? I'm I'm thinking particularly of a few GMs, Chuck Fletcher out of Philadelphia. Who's like? I didn't get an offer on James Reems like till like one forty p.m. Eastern time, and then by then other things had to happen for us to be able to move them, and there just wasn't a lot of action. Steve Eiserman said we were not buyers out of Detroit, sure. like we were active, like and there was that rumor that maybe he was going to Detroit, which didn't make any sense because why would Detroit get a rental? Yeah. They're not really a buying team, and Eiserman came right out immediately and said no. Like, I'm not buying. I was never buying. This is not the market for us to be playing in. Patrick Alvin out of Vancouver shot down any rumors that there was a talk or an offer on the table from the Penguins for JT Miller. Like, a lot of GMs came out right away and were like, no, whatever you're hearing isn't accurate. Like, those were not things we were doing. We didn't get offers. We weren't making that trade. Why do you think that is? Do you think that they don't love the fact that these things get out there and they just didn't happen and maybe that's because they don't want the players to think like they yeah, we tried to move you and it didn't happen and now you're stuck here or do you think they just try to like get a handle on a situation that really isn't handled like you can't handle that stuff it just gets out right there's too many people talking about what didn't go down like why do you think a lot of those deals didn't happen and why do you believe the gms were so quick to comment on them
1: That's kind of a hard, I think, thing to kind of analyze because I do think leaks affect hockey trades for sure. And and any sport, I think it does. I think even GM's alluded to that, that if stuff gets leaked, it hurts the player, it hurts negotiations. But I also think a lot of it, like, I guess if trades do or don't happen, I do put that on the general manager itself. Like Especially if you're talking about the Flyers and James Van Riemsdyk. I mean, (laughs) here we go about the Blackhawks again. But they got a return for Patrick Kane that probably wasn't great. So I know he talked about that the market just wasn't there. It was a conditional pick, something like that. Well, it's your job to call around and make it happen, that you're the general manager there. You know that he's on an expiring contract. He's probably one of your best trade chips. And I think we've kind of seen that assets that even if you kind of assume that not many teams maybe might not be interested in, well, if you're a GM and you go hard and you're aggressive about things, things can get done. And it seemed like, he totally missed the boat with James Van Riems. Like it seemed like he was kind of very just not really aggressive as he should have been, especially for the state that Philadelphia was in. So, like I said, I do think like leaks and stuff hurt. But at the end of the day, it's on the GM to get things done.
0: I would wonder, I would hope they would have the conversations with players like Van Riemsdyk or Kevin Hayes out of Philadelphia or whomever we're talking about here, whether it's JT Miller, or Brock Besser, or whatever. And that the GM is really up front and saying, look, here's what we're doing. Like, we're trying to move you. Like, and it's not because we don't like you and it's not because we don't want you here. It's because of the position that we're in right now. It is a better deal for us to move you. Now, I can't guarantee that it's going to happen. Blah, 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 I hope those conversations happen because that would eliminate probably a lot of the awkwardness that might come from it. But I'm with you. I think part of the issue, like in Philadelphia or whatever, is that maybe this is one of the reasons we saw action so early is because you need to get ahead of the game to move these players. Like, you can't wait till 1.40 p.m. Eastern on trade deadline day and think that a player who, no offense to James Van Riemsdyk, he's a B backup plan for a lot of teams, right? Like he's not the guy you go after as your A plus, this is our deadline deal guy. He's the guy you go after when you strike out and the other things that you were going for. And you can't make that deal at the very end of it. And so you need to get ahead of it and go, look, we need to move this player. We might not take the return that we want, but we want to get ahead of this so that we're not st- stuck with, you know, being unable to move him what are you willing to do uh same thing with like james reimer out of san jose mike greer was like there just wasn't any action on the goalies mm-hmm. because once Corpusalo and quick move they like nobody wanted that's not the market so much as it is like get out there and sell this guy mm-hmm. like just yeah, exactly. dump him like if that's the guy you want to move and you're worried about what you're not going to get anything for him get anything you can mm-hmm. and see if you can't Do something right. So I do wonder. Let's talk about our our favorite trades, our winners, our losers. On deadline day, it's hard to do this because there wasn't a lot of action. So let's just take a look at the deadline as a whole, the week of, the day of, whatever you want to whatever window of time you want to talk about here. Who if you could pick two winners, who would you pick? Who are your kind of like we they did the best here?
1: I would say the Boston Bruins for sure. And I'm also going to go to your neck of the woods, the Edmonton Oilers. I told you, I really, really like their moves. And at the trade deadline, that's not usually, I think a lot of, it's not really a common phrase. I think a lot of people have said about the Oilers in the past that they had a good deadline, but those are the two that really stick out to me that I thought they actually really improved their team.
0: Yeah, I I do like what Edmonton did. I'm not sure 100% that it is enough. Like, There's mm-hmm. still some questions on the right side of their defense. They didn't address I think their goaltending could be okay, but it is a question mark. They don't have the experience. Campbell's iffy. Um, So there are some questions there. They didn't get another top six right winger, but I don't know Kyler Yamamoto or Clint Cotton. Like some of these guys could step up and be just fine. So I think they did. They're a better team today than Mm -hmm. they were uh, before the deadline, even though they had to move Tyson Berry, which I think was a a kind of a loss in a way. Mm -hmm. Uh, It just depends on what Evan Bouchard does. I do like what Boston did. I have no clue. Like they're just so good and they're hard Mm -hmm. to beat. like the one again today as we record this on Saturday and they've got some injuries that they're dealing with. So Don Sweeney just pushed all in. Like he just was like, we're the best team in the league right now. Our window is right now. We got to move these picks. Like he moved to first in 2023, first in 2024. Like he went all in and, He's emptied the cupboards to get you know, Tyler Bertuzzi and Demetri Orlov and Garnet Hathaway and all these players that are really going to help Boston. And when Taylor Hall comes back or when Nick Flint, they've they got an even better team than they already uh-huh. had, which makes them really good. Um, I like both of those picks. I think they were uh they were winners for sure. For me, I'm gonna say the Devils are a winner. I, I like uh-huh. what they did in getting Timo Meyer, and it's easy for me to say that because maybe he was the best player moved uh-huh. at the deadline. But the reason that I really like it is because I think Timo Meyer fits like a glove in New Jersey. Uh-huh. And part of what you needed to do at the deadline to look past the deadline and go, yeah, we really did win here was pick up a player that you're going to have around for a while. I think they're going to get that contract extension done with Timo Meyer, and they didn't have to move any major prospects to get that done. They're going to have a very good team moving forward. They're trending upward, and Meyer fits in really, really well there. Mm -hmm. Um, So I like what they did. The other one for me is Ottawa. I do not know if Ottawa is going to make the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know if Chickren puts them over the hump and they get in, but I like what they did because uh, Dorian promised that they would try to add something. You can call it good waiting, good timing, waiting, whatever. You can call it luck. I don't know what happened there and why <laughs> Chicken fell into their lap the way that they did. If It was just Arizona being idiots. But uh, I do like that they added Chikran, that he's going to be there for a couple of years, that Ottawa is really giving a push to try to get in here, whether they do it or not. I don't really know, but I do like what they did. So those are my two winners. Um,
1: I think we could do a a what's kind of like an honorable mention here of the Nashville Predators. Just sold everyone for great returns, so I actually was impressed by that.
0: Yeah, they picked up a lot of picks, uh, which I think is really good. Like, it's kind of like a, hey, uh, Barrett Trotz, here's your present. Welcome. Here's a draft stock full covered of draft picks. Um, And you know what? As much as Matthias Ekholm is a very, very good player and he's still very useful. We'll see what he's like in three or four years. Tyson Bear is a good player like yes. Nashville got a top pick a really good prospect in Reed Schaefer and a really useful NHL player in Tyson Berry. so mm-hmm. they did well on that trade even though they might have given up the best player who fits really well in Edmonton Nashville did just fine with that trade so uh yeah I would say that that's pretty good too who would you say were your losers uh of the week the teams that you're like what the heck
1: Okay, so one, I'm going to say the Pittsburgh Penguins because they're another team right now, I think, where everyone's like, what exactly are they doing? Nothing they're doing makes sense. It's like they're hanging by a thread in the final wildcard spot. They're trying to improve, but yet they keep adding older, aging players like Michael Granlund um, and Kulikov. And I actually like both of those players, but it's more like they were already the oldest team and they already have a lot of cap issues. Do those acquisitions actually help you? really achieve the success you want or is it kind of just a filler I don't know and like I said not a knock on those guys I actually like both of them but it's just more does it fit with the penguins and the other one is the Vancouver Canucks I would say because this enters our edition of what is going on in Vancouver this should be like I said a reality show no one knows what is going on there and that Philip peronic thing uh trade I what did they trade a first round pick or something for him it's like I they don't They traded the
0: pick they got in the Horvat deal.
1: Yeah, that's what it was. Like <laughs> crazy. It was like, okay, I really have no clue what they're doing. Right now, they're almost at the bottom of the standings, but they give up a first. I I really don't know what's happening there <laughs> at all.
0: Well, I'll tell you what they think is happening. They think that they stunk this year, but they're not that bad, and uh-huh. that they're going to be better next year, that they're going to be able to add a couple pieces, that they're going to be able to move some of the players they don't want and keep some of the players they do. I think they think Brock Besser's going to rebound. I think they think JT Miller's going to be a, pl- a good player for them. I, and Horanek's a good player, but uh, you know they're not rebuilding. Like, and they've decided that they're not rebuilding, even though I think everybody else thinks that they should rebuild because right. everybody was available except for Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson. Even Thatcher Demko was being rumored to be on the way out. So, if you're suggesting that you're willing to sell everybody, and then all of a sudden you shift gears at the end of the deadline and say, no, 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 we're not going to move Miller, we're not going to move these guys, like then you're not rebuilding. And are you good enough to not rebuild? And that's the question in Vancouver. And they think the answer is, yes, we can be a better team next year. So I'm with you on Pittsburgh, though. Like Pittsburgh, to me, is a team that is older. Their window to win is small. They're in an Eastern Conference where they're going to get smoked. um, And they're not good enough to compete. And they didn't do anything at this deadline to make themselves good enough to compete. Mm -hmm. They're good enough maybe to get in the playoffs and be booted in the first round, Mm -hmm. which doesn't help them. Right, like so. If you're going all in, you got to go all in. You got to go Boston all in. You got to go Rangers all in. You got to go like all the way in. And Pittsburgh didn't. They added Nick Bonino, Kulikov, Grandlin, like players that are okay, but they're certainly not going to beat the Rangers, the Boston Bruins, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the New Jersey Devil. Like they're not going to beat those teams. So Mm -hmm. it's I don't know why they didn't do it. Um, for me, losers. There's a few like I would have had Vancouver and Pittsburgh in there for sure. I'll tell you the team that I don't like, and I'm going to get heat for this. I got heat for it already on Twitter for some of the things they said about the GM, but I didn't like what Toronto did. I think they're a better team, mm-hmm. but I think they did so much. They did too much. If uh-huh. that makes any sense, like they shifted out a quarter of their roster. Uh-huh. And so when you do that, you then have to go, okay, are we going to build chemistry right away? Can we have everybody mesh in the final month before the playoffs? There's real questions for me in Toronto, whether or not they can do that. And they also didn't address what I think is their biggest need, which is goaltending. Yes. Like they still have Matt Murray and Ilya Samsonov, whom I don't know are going to be able to get them past the first round again in an Eastern conference where they got to be really good to beat some of these teams that are really strong offensively. They're going to get a lot of shots on them. And if if those two goalies can't stand up to it, they're toast. Like, I don't know that they'll get out of the first round again. And they did a lot, like, credit to Dubas for trying and really going out there and adding pieces, I think makes them a better team. I just wonder if they had to do so much that doing that much is going to hurt them in the end. And I don't know, like I I could be way wrong. They could all of a sudden mesh really well and go on a heater and, and do really well. So it's hard for me to say that they're a loser, but I don't know if they're a winner because I think when you have that much changeover, uh, it's, It's tough, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. And even Boston made a lot of changeovers, which we heard going into it, they weren't going to touch the roster because of the chemistry was so strong, but they ended up doing a lot. So I think Boston's just too good though. Like Mm -hmm. you can add those pieces to a locker room that's so good already that they're just going to be better. Toronto was not, they were good, but they were not that Boston good. And so now they're shifting a bunch of people around and it's going to be interesting for me whether or not that happens. Um, The other team that I'm not really sure about are the Los Angeles Kings. I don't love what they did one, because I don't think Gavrikov puts them over, uh, two, I don't think Corpusalo is the type of (laughs) goaltender that you can necessarily rely on to be as good as he was when you switch teams. Like he's having a really good season and it's good for him, but he's not necessarily been known as the guy who is always a good goaltender. So there's really no guarantee when he comes over to Los Angeles, he's going to be a very, he's going to continue his numbers. Um, now LA is better than Columbus. So maybe it's going to be even better for Corpusella, but I don't know. And quick is a guy who hasn't had a great year, but he was really solid last year. And he winds up going to Vegas, which I think is going to come back and bite the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, if these two teams play each other in the first round. So uh, it'll be very interesting to see what happens. I, again, I don't know if they are totally a loser here. Cause I think overall, they're probably a little bit better of a team, but I'm not sure it's enough. And, uh, I don't know of Gavrkov. They gave up a lot to get the guy, right? Yeah. So um, And you traded a goalie who's a veteran at the end of a 10-year contract who's kind of a legend in Los Angeles. So uh, it was an interesting decision to go ahead and do that. So those might be my two losers, even though um, if I had to pick loser-loser and I did it because you had already taken Vancouver and Pittsburgh – I didn't want to stick with the same two teams, but they're probably my two losers too. Like they they were just so many question marks or why they did what they did. Um it was interesting. What was your favorite trade? Uh, let's let's finish it off with your favorite trade of the deadline.
1: Oh, oh, I have no idea, but I will say when you were talking that the Bertuzzi trade to me was really like, uh, when I saw that, I was like, oh my gosh, Boston is just going for it at this point, and that's exactly the type of move you make when you're going for it. And I think there was a lot of questions of whether Bertuzzi would actually stay in Detroit, but I do know Iserman said they did try contract negotiations, and they weren't really going anywhere, which kind of meant he felt like he had to move them. So, but obviously, like I said, Boston, like I said, kudos to them. I did not expect them to do that, but once I saw that, I was like, oh boy, here we go. They are really going for it.
0: Yeah, he could do really well in Boston. Like, he hasn't had the greatest year in Detroit compared to what he mm-hmm. normally would do. But in Boston, he might fit, like, really, really mm-hmm. well. And there's a lot of good players in Boston that he's going to get the chance to play with that I think he could really mesh with. Um, so it'll be very interesting. I he mentioned did have it...
1: an assist today um, yeah. against the Rangers, so maybe he will.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mentioned this one. This is a, a sleeper for me, and it's not going to be something that I think affects the playoffs because I don't think St. Louis is going to get in. But I liked that they added Jacob Verana. Like, mm-hmm. that was a smart deal for me. I thought there's a team that should pick up this player. Like, Red Wings didn't want him. Like, they're like, they dumped him for a seventh-round pick. Um, Dylan McLaughlin is a center, and they retained 50% of his salary. Now, there are question marks around Jake Verana if he's going to be able to get back to you know perfect health, if the substance uh, abuse issues that he was dealing with in the personal wellness thing with the NHL is over, like I don't really know about where his status is with all that, but he seems to be okay, but this is a guy that could score like this is mm-hmm. a guy that, whose numbers are really, really good, and they've got him on the cheap now for a little bit. And so if you're St. Louis and you're saying, okay, we dumped a lot of players, but we don't want to rebuild and we need to retool on the fly. This is a pretty good dude, like a gamble. I, it is a gamble, but it could pay off like really, really well. If Verona figures it out and he gets back to some of the numbers that he was posting before he, he left the league for a bit, he, he could do really well on the cheap for St. Louis. Um, yeah. It's too late for St. Louis this year. But, you know, if you're going to rebuild and you're Doug Armstrong and you're kind of going, look, we're going to try to add pieces here to replace the ones that we sent out. It's not a bad way to start. Like It could backfire, but if it does really well, maybe a sleeper one for me. I think that could be a very interesting trade that has potential to be a home run.
1: Actually, I think the last one I will say, um, because, sorry, I was put on the spot there, and I did like the Bertuzzi one a lot. I will say, I will stick with that one for sure, but I I don't think we will ever stop laughing about the Tanner Janot trade uh that was probably my favorite my second favorite from like uh just an entertainment standpoint just about the i have no idea how that happened how he garnered five draft picks and cal foot i have no idea how that happens so i'll go that was a fun one that was an entertaining one
0: you think we'll look back at that one and go man tampa was a genius or what were they doing
1: I know. I guess it depends on how they do in the playoffs, because obviously they got them. They get these types of players for the playoffs, right? And yeah. like you said, everyone thinks Tampa or Tampa thinks they're smarter than everyone else. They got good scouting. So if he ends up like being like the playoff hero, then I guess we'll all get the last laugh. But we'll see about that one.
0: Yeah. If Yeah. And if he signs for like a super cheap deal like Nick Paul did and mm-hmm. winds up being a really good player for like six or seven years for them, then maybe we'll look back and go totally worth it because those picks that they gave up, none of them played in the NHL. So who knows, right? Like it could be interesting, but we'll see. All right, Brooke. I appreciate this. Uh, Thanks for doing a rundown with me on the uh, trade deadline day and the week as a whole, because it really was more about the week than it was about the actual day. But we will probably uh, come back here in a week or so uh, as we get closer to the playoffs just to talk about some of these players that were moved and how they're doing with their new teams and and mm-hmm. take a look at it at that point. So I appreciate you doing this uh, for us. Everybody else, thank you for listening to the NHL Trade Talk podcast. Do us a favor, download, share, subscribe, uh, put it out there on social media. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. We'd greatly appreciate it. Check out Brooks work at the Hockey Raiders and NHLTradetalk.com as well as my stuff is out there too. And we'll talk to you in the next one. Thanks for your time.